your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. Co-hosting with me today, Mayor Kim, Tim Cabot. He's going to do the uh, once a month thing. I think uh, we're going to get that l- literally the what the first Monday of every month because you have a. a we want to preview the city council meeting. Sure. I think uh, I've been using your uh, secretary as my city of in- get lacrosse city information oh, from. Well, so that's like, good. Kaylee's like, very knowledgeable, so you yeah. got a good person there to to inquire. But yeah, I'm. Glad to be back, and if if this works out to do once a month, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here. Uh, if you have questions for the mayor, you can call or text those in. I'll uh, I'll turn the text line on so that I can actually see those texts. A uh, couple of the issues that we did want to talk about, obviously fix the roads, uh, <laughs> <laughs> lacrosse center, where we're at with that, and more importantly, maybe where we're at with the police chief. And then if we have time, I'm going to gripe about not putting a sand volleyball court into the Green Island, what is now an ice arena, but we're going to change that to a pickleball tennis court thing, I think. But, well, if we get to it, we'll get to, And then okay. I, I'll just use the show as my own personal uh, road <laughs> to getting indoor sand volleyball in okay. the city. Um, but first, most importantly, we're going to go to uh, Tim Cabot's top three movies of all time. I've got my list of top three, which are everyone's going to hate. And then uh, in, in, in a little bit, I asked you, is this going to be, is this just one time watch? And then, wow, that was a really good movie. Or is it rewatchability? And you said your top three list is you would watch these over and over again. Sure. So let's go number three, all time favorite movie. Well, I, and I appreciate you giving me the heads up because it is really challenging to try to narrow down all of the great movies into just three so yeah airplane two didn't make your list (laughs) well i'm sure there are those movies that didn't make the list that you know after i think about it some more i'm like oh why didn't i pick that one but yeah you had four minutes to figure this out i was going with you know i've got a couple that are really good but i would say and i had to put a comedy in there as well so for me the number three was stripes Oh, Stripes with John Candy and uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a classic. A little bit of nudity in there, too. Could could watch that well. <laughs> Even the PG version would is funny because I find myself at times, uh, you know, quoting when you quote movies and you're yeah. in a you know circumstance where, um, you know, John Candy's character I especially think at is good. At some point, I saw that on TV, and I was like, "Oh, this is a funny movie." And I like, I like pretty much all John Candy movies. Cool Runnings, top sports movie of all time. Oh, I'm just kidding, uh, maybe. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I think I, I saw it on like HP. You know, when I was a little bit older, but still like a teenager, and I was like, "Oh, that's in the movie." That's now it's way better. But okay, number two, and then and so I was going with like the. Um, you know, gangster theme or whatever, and obviously there's, uh, you know, The Godfather, which is the classic. But I went with either, so I'm kind of squeezing in another movie here, either The Departed or Goodfellas. I think either one of those would be a very awesome I think you're in two. like a you're in like a crime syndicate mood today because you listed a couple of the, you were kind of thinking about a couple <laughs> yes. of those. And I think if I asked you next week what your favorite movies were, or maybe not on a Monday... You would maybe have all comedies or something. Could could be, could be, yeah. So, I, I mean, th- those, again, are both really uh, classic uh, films and very entertaining and a lot of, lot of good actors. So, And you could watch those movies? Over, like The yep. Departed, you could watch I could watch that right okay. now. Yeah, it's, it's, it it's, it's very, it, the uh, suspense and just how the, um, how the story unfolds and to see the characters throughout that 
uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stressors in that movie that you're very anxious about for a couple of the characters. So, sure. And yeah. Tim and Mayor Tim Cabot's number one movie of all time. I, I would say it's the Outlaw Josie Wales. I have to go with a Clint Eastwood film and. What and year? Do you, what year genre? Oh, it, oh, I don't it, even know. I've I never would seen say that it's one. late seventies, so it's probably like nineteen, you know, late nineteen seventies, maybe early nineteen eighties. See if I spell. Oh, I did spell it right. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Nineteen seventy-six. So uh, this movie is two years older than me. Yep. Uh, never seen that one. Do yeah, I need to watch you, that? You, you need to watch weird? that. You okay. need to watch it. That is, I would say, you know, it's. Uh, right after the Civil War, and it's all about you know again kind of revenge, and it's got just a lot of a lot of it's got a great story and a lot of good action. So is this movie going to be on like a lot of fifty year old guys number one? It could very well five? be. Could very well be because yes. it's not on a forty year old list at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mine from three. So mine is the Mission Impossible series because I can't tell you which one is which because they all kind of. It should be like Mission Possible, maybe, because they always seem to end in 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 a where they well they the movies end where they you know complete the mission. Yeah, and see, look at you. You've now squeezed like five I've movies squeezed, yeah, into, five. In, into uh, and the top a, three. A, right? Probably a TV show at some point. I think it is a TV show now on Netflix. Um, st- now I almost went the Star Wars genre because there's so many different things. Like even the books are some of the books are good, but I like Star Wars Rogue One, and I can watch that mm. one multiple times. Maybe because it has a it sort of has an ending, although it's a prelude to the first Star Wars, which you said you watched when you were 11 years old. But my number two is Star Wars Rogue One. And my number one movie, and this is based on, like, you could rewatch it. Uncle Buck is my number one. So, like, it's got Macaulay Culkin and, and John, John Candy. Candy. Yes, and, a lot of funny bits in that one. That, that's good. And and that's probably, like, not the, mo- the, not the most surprising for people that listen to me talk that Uncle Buck would be my number one movie. And then, you know, Planes, Trains, and Automobile, Automobiles, another John Candy classic. See, I'm already thinking like that. That yeah. could definitely ma- at least maybe make a top ten. I, I, just mean, made, I just made one of my friends watch that, and she loved it. And then uh, when my nephew, so my nephew's now 17, when he comes to town, I make him put his phone away. And then Good. I make him watch like a planes, trains, and automobiles. Uncle Buck. Uh, the last time we wa- we watched Airplane was oh, the last sure. one. Classic. Uh, even like Hot Shot. Just really, just like a, I guess I'm going comedies there when he's over. But um, yeah, as he gets older, maybe we'll make the, maybe we'll watch The Outlaw of Josie Wales. Yeah, there you go. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. The Better Hearing Center talking text line. We'll be back after the news here with. When we're going to talk about issues in lacrosse. We're going to move on from movies right here on Wisdom. All right. Yep. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host Rick Solom. Co-hosting today with me, Mayor Tim Cabot of Lacrosse. We're gonna go right to the phones and see what this question is. Caller, go ahead. Yeah, just I uh, wanted to ask. Uh, have you asked uh, His Honor about the? He's on. Go ahead and ask him. You're talking to him. Yes, hi, uh, Your Honor. Uh, just wanted to, uh, I think the citizens of North Lacrosse would like to know a whole lot more about the Bridgeview Plaza Center uh, overview of your overlay district. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for the question. So there is a proposal that is going to the city council to um, to really encourage redevelopment of places like Bridgeview Plaza. It is part of that process. And if you remember, maybe back from a little bit more than a year ago, the Highway 53 corridor, there were a whole series of meetings and process to identify 
uh, areas for redevelopment, areas where uh, we could hopefully see new growth and new housing and new mixed uses, that neighborhood center overlay is one of the steps that are a result of that planning process. So it's really intended to try to encourage redevelopment of places like Bridgeview Plaza and some of those commercial areas around it. And it in uh, it's really geared towards trying to uh, reduce the amount of time it takes for someone to get through that city council process. It provides um, uh, some uh, relaxation of some of the standards when it relates to parking and, and um, you know, just how much space you have to devote to uh, uh, finding places for uh, cars to park and, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, because if you so, have a business, it, the, the, the code is you need so, so many so parking many spaces, spalls, right, stalls, right? right. Yeah, so many spaces per square foot of, of store. And uh, what this overlay is, is really intended to do is try to encourage more development, and especially in areas like Bridgeview Plaza, where we'd like to see more housing, more retail, and really a mix of uses there. Do we... Are we still talking about like an open, is it called an open market? What was that? I the, can't remember. What it was there's a, there's another effort that's going on to find a public market, public a, market a location yeah. for a public market. So they've been working on just really an understanding of whether something like that would be feasible here in our area based on the, you know, the success of all of the, really the farmer's markets and, and the fact that like every day of the week, there's a farmer's market in, in the, in the sort of larger region, the public market is intended to be a year round type of market. And it usually has uh, a bunch of different small businesses that make up that if, if people are familiar with like the, the Milwaukee public market uh, representatives from that, that effort came here not too long ago and talked about their experience and how that might work in lacrosse. So that is something that we're looking at. I think they're primarily looking at some downtown locations, but I don't know that they've totally narrowed that down yet. Do we but need that to be in a big building? Not necessarily. I mean, it, it could, it, it really depends on finding kind of that, uh, that right spot. If, if it's a standalone building, that would be uh, a smaller size versus incorporated into a larger development. I think any of those things would work. It's really uh, a matter of finding that right location when you're talking about, you know, you can kind of think about whether it's grocery stores or, or markets like that. You want, obviously, high visibility and a lot of uh, people and car traffic and all that to make it work. In my head, I'm just envisioning you take Friday's Cameron, Cameron Park Farmer's Market just take it and then put it inside Shopco or Kmart. Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, conceptually speaking, it's very similar to that. You would have a bunch of vendors and a bunch of stores that would be selling their produce and selling their their wares, and you could potentially have some other uses in there too. Maybe there's some restaurants, a combination of things. But um, but they're looking at that feasibility right now. I, I believe they're looking at the from a time frame towards the end of this year, early next year, to have some recommendations of how to move forward. Um, in, in regards to that, do you do you worry about the fact that we have now three shop codes that are empty? I think one tec one's technically in Alaska, I guess. And then obviously, Kmart, is Kmart still Kmart's still open, right? There's nothing in there. Do correct. We have correct. It's, it, yeah, that, that is a very big concern for the city. We've really been trying to, uh, you know, understand even before, for example, the Kmart closed and some of these other big box retail stores closed, 
our staff uh, have been talking and, and looking at trends and meeting with the neighbors to to see what could be you know a potentially good follow-on use. Uh, the Kmart has been, you know, purchased here locally by by a group, and we're working with them on hopefully some good redevelopment plans. There's already been a number of meetings with the neighborhood, and they've identified, you know, an interest in seeing perhaps more housing. A Chipotle. So, well, I, no, I'm and, just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's a variety of those types of, uh, you know, restaurants and other stores that people would like to see. So we're trying to work through that. The the shop goes, you know, the one on the far south side, obviously, and then the one in Bridgeview Plaza have closed. Those do represent challenges because the, the you know not only just from the fact that it's a vacant store and at one point people were you know shopping there for a whole variety of of reasons, but also the pharmacies uh, people relied on that, and now you've got kind of this empty space that. Uh, it's not necessarily just the city's job to try to solve that, but we are trying to work with the property owners to come up with new ideas and new uses that could work on those sites. A lot of times that goes to right to housing, and th- there's always a need for housing. There's a two-college town, and I think renting is becoming more feasible than owning a house at this point. Is that like a big, like, we need to get housing in the, in the areas, or do you think that would entail tearing down a Shopco and, and putting up a new building, or is it we need to work into the like that building we need to work within the confines of that building. I, I think you'll probably see a combination of those solutions it, it depends on the site i mean we like for example on the kmart we've really uh, pushed the idea of demolishing that that existing store and, and being creative with how that gets reused so presumably you could have you know a number of new buildings that would um, that would happen there. Uh, it really depends on the location, but the you know your comment about the need for housing is true. Uh, we we see our housing market here in Lacrosse being very tight, and that, that is reflected in the fact that prices and rents are going up, and it's at times you know difficult to for people to find um, housing that kind of matches their budget. So. We are always looking for opportunities where we can introduce more housing really uh, w- with any one of these types of projects and try to encourage that as a part of any mixed use as well. These are all sidebars to what we were actually going to talk about. But what do you think of the on 2nd Street here down towards the Oktoberfest grounds? They're put, it looks like they're putting out housing there. What do you think of those that building? Uh, let's see. Uh, remind me. Again. Oh, um, well, are you talking about the landmark building there with the uh, used to be? Um, yeah, right before that. I don't know what the building yeah, so is called. It's it. called the landmark building was actually part of the lacrosse plow, that whole historical complex. And that has been a redevelopment project now. Uh, and that's very exciting. Yes, that's being converted into housing on the upper floors. I believe they're looking at some mix of uses on the ground floor, some commercial uses, and I have not heard yet if they have a, a business or businesses identified, but that's that's what we're seeing is this need for housing, and given kind of the right conditions, uh, we're seeing more of that housing built. We, we just did a ribbon cutting last week on a new project up on Kane Street, which is um, a mix of housing incomes and affordable units and some housing for formerly homeless veterans that, you know, we're trying to accomplish kind of multiple goals with some of these uh, new efforts. So the the long story short is we do need more housing in our community, and, and I think we're seeing that get built um, in a variety of ways. Yeah, I was thought it was when I first moved here, 
I was like, what is that building and why is it vacant? It's on right next to Riverside Park. It's like the probably the best property in, in town. And, well, and it was never anything until just now. You know, the other day I walked, I drove by and I was because I, I don't drive that way often or I'm not paying attention. And I'm like, oh, they're they're leasing it. There's, you can see leasing signs yes. out there now. So. Yeah, and that, that's part of, uh, you know, there was a, a combination of ways just because, as you can imagine, a, a building like that, there were a number of challenges there were uh, some environmental issues that had to be dealt with because of its history of uses there, and uh, and the you know they were able to obtain historic tax credits. So doing kind of a historic renovation, uh, both the federal and state governments provide some incentives to help with that. Um, well, and it was probably built the same way the Lacrosse Center was built, without thinking that the river would be the you know attraction to having a building there, right? Like the Lacrosse Center is built towards Second Street. And now, you, you know, we can get into the lacrosse center a little bit. You're trying to, are you, are we still trying to make the lacrosse center, you know, more river centric? Well, I think that for, the, for the lacrosse center, it's really, they've got two front doors that they've got to uh, account for. So you'll still have the downtown side and there's, as a part of the renovation and expansion, there'll be an atrium right there kind of on the, you know, where, where there's the plaza right now and you've got the marquee and kind of the empty space. There's going to be a, a lobby atrium there. The, sec, where, the second street side. Yep, 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 yep on okay. the second street side. And then on the riverside, there will be that connection to Riverside Park. So there'll be both indoor and outdoor spaces that will really highlight that um, the beauty of of that location, Riverside Park and, and the Mississippi River. So that was all that's been part of that challenge, I think, all throughout the, the project is to figure out a way if you could just jack it up and then turn it, that would be, you know, like a like an old mobile home or something. Well, yeah, <laughs> a, little, a little bit, you know, a little, a little more complex than that. Yeah, uh, we're going to go to the phones. Number three has been waiting. Uh, number three, go ahead. Yeah, you guys. All right. We're good, I think. Well, it was very interesting to hear what your top three movies were. <laughs> me or, okay, me anyway, or the mayor? Question for the mayor. Go ahead. You're on. These uh, apartment house that caught on fire down on Fifth Avenue yesterday. Yes. Uh, are those apartments inspected by the fire department? Uh, not unless there is a complaint. We do not have a uh, rental registration and inspection program uh, like we used to a few years ago. Uh, there was changes at the state legislature okay. that makes it very difficult to do those types of proactive inspections. Well, here's the funny thing. I was sitting in a barber chair the other day, a one-chair barber shop. Two firemen come in to inspect the place, and uh, they were there about five minutes, and the person that run the barber shop said, well, there goes another 50 bucks. Yeah, so they, they do inspect commercial property so like your everything from barbershops to uh we were talking about shopcos and kmarts uh, earlier i've seen her trucks out there but here's the thing i can't understand this lady said she just moved in there the other day and there's no smoke alarms 17 people in a building four different families living in there you should think there'd be a smoke alarm when she went into that place. The landlord would at least have a smoke alarm, wouldn't you, Mayor? I, I would agree. Yes, and if there are uh, you know violations of that, there they've done it before where they've issued citations. I think they're still investigating all of the details of the fire, but I would agree there should be smoke detectors in there for sure. Yeah. 
I mean, if they could go into a barber shop with two people in it and inspect that, and there's 17 people living in a, a place that don't look like it's the Taj Mahal of lacrosse. Well, that's a little bit different. As I said, the state legislature has made it so difficult, if not impossible, for cities to do rental inspections. We do not do proactive inspections. So we'll respond if there's a complaint. So if a tenant has an issue where they notice, geez, there's no smoke detectors, they would call the city inspectors and they would come out and do an inspection. But we have to be granted access into the property by the tenant. And as you can imagine, some folks are a little leery of complaining because they're afraid that they might run, you know, cross crossways with their landlord or, uh, you know, get evicted or whatever. So that makes our job and the fire department's job that, that much more difficult. And I will be willing to bet as we track these fires over time, we're going to see an increase in fires like that because of the fact that we are no longer going inside of the buildings and identifying those types of problems. 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Center, talk and text line. We're going to hit Scott's comment in news, and we'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Co-hosting today, Lacrosse Mayor Tim Cabot. Tim, we've got a couple of just. I'm going to read a couple of these texts. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to forget because I'm new at sure. this, and and I'll I'll just lose track of what's going on. All right. Uh, Rudy texts in. Doesn't High V own two shot co-locations? The quick answer there is no. No, the uh, the Bridgeview Plaza is owned by a uh, of company out of Texas, and I believe the on the south side that that store is actually owned by Shopco, if I remember right. Okay. Beck texts in a, a kind of a, a long text, but the gist of it was, can La Crescent or Houston County help pay for the $42 million cross center expansion? Well, I, I do think when it comes to the the issues that we've been kind of all struggling with and talking about here recently, uh, we knew going into the requests with both across county and the city of Unalaska that those were going to be heavy lifts. I mean, anytime you're asking folks on cost sharing, you know, those are not easy conversations. We, we tried to approach it in a similar fashion that was done maybe 10 years ago when the communities around here were uh, joined together to help fund the improvements to UWL's uh, stadium. And obviously that didn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't successful in, in getting uh, those uh, with, with Unalaska and the county board to, to join in, at least, you know, for right now. I, I do think it, and I'm looking at ways to revisit the discussion. I, I am very much appreciative of the fact of the communities talking about um, being part of the decision making and part of the uh, the governance of of these facilities. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, in my mind, ideally, a facility like the Lacrosse Center would be owned by the county or would be owned by perhaps a kind of a regional district to help spread out the costs and to help then also with the the oversight and and the decision making. But you know, that's not the reality that we're facing right now. So. Uh, so we'll have more to come in that in the future. I do think you know the project is a good one. We're going to move forward and, and, and keep making progress. But I think someday you, you might see a different kind of structure there at the Lacrosse Center that hopefully will be more uh, inclusive of the larger region. I think the biggest gripe when it comes to funding was: Did you guys, if you could go back in time, would you do it in a different order? Is that you asked the county and you asked uh, on Alaska for money? After a lot of the decisions were made, and like, okay, well, that you know, next time, sure, I, I I understand maybe more so coming from the city of Unalaska that they were brought in kind of late in the process. I mean, I can understand that, and I, 
you know, I respect their decision. I think in the case of the county, you know, that maybe that's a little bit different because I know that our people had uh, attended uh, at least, I think, two county board meetings and maybe another committee meeting where they talked about the center and, you know, kind of the progress and what was going on and, and you know, that would opportunity for input. So, uh, you know, again, not to split hairs, there were a lot of public meetings all throughout the process. I right. mean, dozens and dozens of meetings, uh, you know, uh, communicated through the regular media and social media. And uh, there was a lot of attention paid, you know, last summer when when I issued my veto on kind of the scope of the project. And so I, I do think there's been a lot of opportunities for people to weigh in, but We'll learn more from those communities as we go forward exactly how they would like to be included and, and um, you know, try to do a better job of yeah. that. And in the grand scheme of things, you asked from the county, I believe, $2 million over 10 years? or 20 years. 20 years. $2 million over 20 years for a thing that's costing $42 million. So not like the, the biggest, hey, like... Not the biggest hat to to put in. Yeah, I mean it. It is in the, in the grand scheme of the overall financing, it's a relatively small percentage, but it is still you know funding nonetheless. And and again, as I said earlier, these we knew going into it, it was going to be a challenge to get folks to uh, want to participate. And you know, we learn from our mistakes and and hopefully not repeat them the next time. Uh, we're going to go to the phones now. I'm not exactly sure who this is, but caller, go ahead. Hello. Hi. Yeah, who's this? This is Leah. Hey, Leah, do you got a question for the mayor? Yes, um, my question is, what is his opinion of the bump-outs on Cass Street? Okay, thanks, Leah. Thanks, Leah. So we have made uh, a change, if, if folks remember, when that street was redone uh, now, I think a little bit more than a year ago, uh, there was some controversy, if you will, because of the bike symbols that were painted uh, on the street. And we heard about that, the fact that those were somewhat confusing. And so earlier this spring, those symbols were all removed with the idea of trying to make it less confusing and, and all that. As far as the bump outs themselves, although I will say that I support those bump outs. I think maybe, again, this is a situation where the next time we'll learn a little bit uh, about kind of how that was all put together. Um, there are, if if you look at that stretch, um, it does seem at times a little bit overwhelming, the number of bump outs, so the number of crossings. But I, all in all, I, I support the bump outs. I think the... Uh, the goal there really with that project and working with the neighborhood and kind of that larger area was to improve the safety of not only people in cars and buses and trucks, but to also improve the safety for people who are walking and biking. Uh, that really is the the purpose of those bump outs is to shorten the distance when people have to cross the street. If you know that area, there's a number of schools and and uh, healthcare facilities and and all that where people are trying to walk to get to appointments or ride their bikes. And anytime the city redoes a street like that, we look at trying to balance all of that safety. So I do think there, you know, that street. Uh, and I, and I, every once in a while, I still get input from people about those bump outs. But I think all in all, uh, I drive down that street now. I don't really so see that as being an issue. All you need to do for the bikers is put little jumps. 
over the bump out, so they can go straight instead of zigging in and out. Well, we and we we kind of joked about that when when that all was happening. I, I think the, again, part of the the confusion was just where the symbols were located. Uh, now I you know now that they've been removed, I don't really see. I mean, I think it looks like a regular street with you know you stay in between the white lines and. Uh, and it's safer for people not to cross the street. Is it kind of funny that people complain, you know, oh, bikers are going to be zigging in and out, and then they also complain, we know about the bike being more bike lanes in the city, so, like, which way do you want it? Because so, it's definitely safer for for people walking across the road there. It definitely slows down traffic, and that's not a big deal. That You don't need to be going 35 down that road. Well, and I think that sometimes get gets lost in, in some of the the conversation you know, again, I'll go back to what I had said earlier. We were trying to address a number of uh, competing interests, if you will, between people walking and biking and, uh, you know, driving and taking the bus and mobility devices and everything else. You are trying to make that safer. And I think just because it was such a dramatic change from what it was before, people thought it was maybe too much. I, again, happen to think that it does what it was intended to do, which is slow down traffic and make it safer. And I've heard from people, um, like you said, uh, Rick, you know, there are others who are looking for more of those changes. So with the Board of Public Works, who typically makes those decisions, it is a big balancing act that the board uh, looks at on all of these projects. And I think for the most part, we get it right. I, you know, every once in a while, yes, you maybe could have done something a little differently. And in this case, maybe we wouldn't have had as many bump well, outs. Could but... we redesign a bump out? So the bump out is essentially, it goes out into the road. It's a big curb. And at the end is the little ramp to get it on and off a sidewalk, Correct. right? Where a wheelchair could go or something. Correct. But that's perpendicular to the road. What if we made that ramp the whole 360 or, or you know, 180, where anyone could, you could go down that ramp per se to the to the adjacent to the road or, sure. or at an angle or perpendic- perpendicular it's just like a design flaw i think and that would solve the problem of i don't know what there wouldn't be a problem after that if you just redesign like how the bump outs are made yeah and i think again you'll see more of those changes and tweaks and and um and all that as we continue to rebuild streets within the city uh, is there an engineer opening I can apply for. You or? bet. <laughs> it, 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 you're, we'll, we'll take on uh, uh, all all applicants. I, I do. We have a really excellent staff. I mean, again, you talk about some of the challenges of what they're trying to do to rebuild those streets and to balance the need for folks to get you know kind of east and west uh, in a car versus people that are walking and biking and taking the bus. So all in all, like I said, I think we get it right most of the time. Every once in a while, there's a project maybe that, okay, we in the future will do it a little bit differently. But um, it is, at the end of the day, it's a balancing act. And and um, you know we, we look forward to people's input because that's how you learn and you hopefully then improve. 608-785-7914, the Better Hearing Center, talking text line. We'll talk a lacrosse police chief here in a minute. Uh, one more caller. Caller, go ahead. Yeah, hey. Yep, you're on with the mayor. You got a question for him? Nope. Okay, thanks. <laughs> the five-second rule. You get five seconds. Um, okay, so let's move on to the lacrosse police chief. You're a guest judge, kind of like Dancing with the Stars. You get the judge. Uh, the, there's a five-member P- lacrosse police and fire commission board 
that you appoint or are you part of the appointment? You appoint these Correct. people? Correct. So the Police and Fire Commission, they select the next chief, uh, and that's part of their uh, responsibilities as defined by the Wisconsin statute. So the city of La Crosse happens to uh, adhere to those state rules, um, and they not only hire the, the police chief and fire chief that happened to, you know a couple years ago, they hire all of the police officers and firefighters, and they do promotions, and, and they're really geared towards the, the personnel side of our, our public safety. So I, I'm able to, uh, they've invited me to participate in the interview process and to offer input. I don't get a vote on the, on the decision that is up to the five members of the Police and Fire Commission, but I am obviously very interested and want to see us, uh, our next police chief, to be a, a you know excellent uh, chief and to keep a lot of the momentum going and the good things that are happening all around our community. Now, when I was looking at like, okay, how does this work? Because I didn't know, and then I had to do a little research. The Fire Commission, you appoint those people. None of those people have. I think one used to be a parole officer, or maybe even in a school something. I, I'm not sure. And then the other four, they don't have policing experience. So that was my first thing. Like, oh, these these people don't have. Because when I first thought about it, and, and Rob Abraham was, you know, I was kind of thinking like, oh, he's going to apply for this because he's the interim police chief. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do they hire a police chief? Does the police department hire it? Because any other business, your your own entity hires, you know, if we had a, a talk show host, you know, we don't hire a commission to come sure. from outside to hire. We, we have the radio experts here already. So I was like, well, Rob Abraham's obviously going to interview himself and give himself the job for this. So, and then of course I learned there's a fire commission. Right. right. And then I was like, okay, you know, and this is where I was bugging your um, secretary about who are these people and what do you know their background? Sure. And, um, she gave me a little bit of information, but I had, you know, I had Doug on last week, Doug Happel, who's on the commission and asked him a little bit about who these people are. So that, and that was my first question is do, where do you get the expertise for in the hiring process because these people don't have policing experience. Well, it's it's really the first goal and it's this is true for all of the committees and boards that I make appointments to. Uh, I I make appointments the, or the mayor, uh, you know, the mayor makes appointments to I believe it's more than 200 uh committee uh, uh spots throughout our city through the various committees. So but really, the first goal is the people have to care about what it is they're being appointed to. So for the Police and Fire Commission, they obviously have to have a care and an interest in seeing uh, a top-notch police department and fire department and to be part of that process. Um, so the um, the folks that are on the commission, I, I think they are all really good quality people. Um, Some of them have backgrounds in human resources. So, you know, being able to look at the hiring and firing processes, which is a big part of how to interview people. Exactly. Yep. And that's a big part of their their duties. Um, You know, at times like right now where you've got a chief position, the level of awareness and interest and just, you know, the discussion going on in the community is, is raised to a great level because, that's a very high profile position and, and you want the best chief uh, possible. So uh, I have had input from people saying to me, Mayor, you should have at least, you know, a one or two representatives out of the five that have had experience, you know, as a police officer or a firefighter or some or a combi- judge or maybe anything a like combination. that. And I, 
And I don't disagree with that. I think as we see vacancies or when there's opportunities to make appointments, I try to balance all those things. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the next time there's a a vacancy on the police and fire commission, I'll, I'll think very, and if it's, you know, my responsibility to make that appointment, I'll look very much on their background. And if they are bringing a a police or fire, uh, you know, kind of experience to that. But I think all in all that group works really well together. They hired and recommended our last fire chief, for example, Um, they've made uh, hiring decisions for all of the great police officers and firefighters that we have currently on our staff. So, uh, so, you know, again, they, they've got a big challenge ahead because it is a very important position, but I know that they're up to the task, and I'm going to obviously offer my input on, on who I think, uh, based on, you know, the candidates and the interview process, who I feel like will do a good job. you got 30 seconds. Were you surprised? I told you this hour is going to go fast. Were you surprised Rob didn't put his name in? Well, I... I I don't know that I was surprised. I think, uh, obviously, uh, Rob has got a long, distinguished career with the La Crosse Police Department. Um, he has said publicly he wants to support whoever that new chief is, and I, I know he'll do that. And uh, I just I look to keep the momentum going here with the La Crosse Police Department because they're doing a lot of great things. Sure. All right, that'll wrap it up with the Cross Mayor Tim Cabot. Uh, the fast Thank hour, you, you it know, does we go by very fast. Uh, maybe we should have did top three movies. We should have maybe just did top movie of all time, but uh, we wouldn't have learned a little bit about you. That's what I, I like to learn a little bit sure. about your, you know, you as a person as opposed to you as a mayor. Uh, that'll wrap it up tomorrow. We'll be back here right on, uh, on Wisdom on ninety two point three FM, fourteen ten AM.